Welcome to the FDD Events Podcast. I'm Cliff Mate, founder and president of FDD. I'm pleased to share with you the following conversation. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss out on future FDD events. Good morning. It's Wednesday, November 29th. Israel has been at war for 54 days. I'm Jonathan Shanzer, Senior Vice President for Research at FDD, and welcome back to the FDD Morning Brief. It has been a mere two days since our last update, and the news just keeps on coming. It's not easy to keep up, but guess what? It's my job to keep up. So I'm here this morning once again to give you my best stuff in 20 minutes. That's what we do here at the FDD Morning Brief. So let's get started. This morning, I'll be joined by Congressman Josh Gottheimer, Democratic Congressman from New Jersey. But before that, let's get up to speed. As of this morning, 146 Israelis and 15 foreign nationals are still in Hamas custody. 88 hostages have been released so far. Monday's hostage, hostage exchange went smoothly. Yesterday's exchange, a little more dicey. Gaza residents came out to threaten the hostages just as they were being transferred to the Red Cross vehicles. 12 more hostages are set to be released today. Two of them are said to be Russian nationals. Vladimir Putin appears to have negotiated their release separately, either with Hamas or with Iran. After reports over the weekend that Israel had agreed not to target Hamas leaders based in Qatar, an Israeli foreign ministry official now says that accounts will be settled with Qatar and Hamas's other patrons at some point in the future. Qatar is undeniably working on behalf of Hamas. The Gulf Emirate managed to extend the ceasefire for another couple of days. They are now floating an all-for-all -all deal in which all the hostages in Hamas's possession would be exchanged for all the Hamas prisoners in Israeli jails. My contacts in Israel tell me such a deal is possible, but the end result cannot be a permanent ceasefire. This is a war Israel is determined to finish. Okay, moving on. Here are your top three big stories to watch today. Headline number one, Hamas wants the world to see a kinder, gentler terrorist group. Here's what we know. The photos and video are bizarre. The terrorist fighters are armed with Kalashnikovs. They're dressed in black. They're wearing masks and they're donning their signature green headbands. But they are seen holding the hands of the hostages as they are set free. In some cases, they have received waves or even smiles from the hostages. Hamas spokesman Osama Hamdan speaking at a press conference uh, that was broadcast on the Qatari-owned Al Jazeera channel yesterday attempted to paint the terrorist group as humanitarian in keeping with traditional Muslim values. This is now very clearly a coordinated media campaign. So now what? The battle for hearts and minds is an ever-present element in these wars. But the notion that Hamas could rebrand itself as a moderate and caring terrorist organization I did not have that on my bingo card. The group is holding a 10-month baby. After being released, nine-year-old Emily Hand apparently will not speak above a whisper for fear of Hamas hearing her. Yet one Sky News reporter yesterday went as far as to praise Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar for visiting Israelis in the underground tunnels and claimed they were held, held in, quote, reasonable conditions, end quote. Hamas is suddenly the terrorist group with the heart of gold. This is all designed to complicate Israel's war aim, namely to finish off Hamas. And that leads us to headline number two. We're getting mixed messages from the White House. Here's what we know. At 5 p.m. yesterday, the president tweeted the following, quote, 
Hamas unleashed a terrorist attack because they fear nothing more than Israelis and Palestinians living side by side in peace. To continue down the path of terror, violence, killing, and war is to give Hamas what they seek. We can't do that. End quote. This was widely viewed as a call to Israel to stop the war. This morning, however, the message appears to be changed. Maybe. A senior White House official followed up and said, quote, we want this to be the last war, and we recognize that for that to happen, Hamas can't be the governing authority. So now what? With or without Biden's approval, Israel is on a path that is not likely to change. The current government has been vowing to destroy Hamas from the start. If it doesn't do so, it will lose the faith of the people, many of whom are already deeply chagrined by the Israeli intelligence and operations failures of October 7th. More importantly, the, Israelis, uh, the Israeli communities of the South cannot return home until Hamas is destroyed. Otherwise, there will always be a risk of another invasion. So the IDF has vowed to never let that happen again. And then last but not least, there is the political angle here. There always is. Right-wing Israeli politician Itamar Ben-Gvir tweeted yesterday in Hebrew, if the war stops, the government collapses. So this gives added incentive for Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to keep fighting. He knows that his political future, whatever is left of it, hinges upon how this war ends. All of that said, let's not forget, the U.S. is the primary purveyor of weapons to Israel. Those weapons are needed for the war to continue, and the U.S. is also Israel's sole defender at the United Nations. Can Israel continue to fight this war without American support? We'll continue to closely monitor statements out of the White House to this effect. And finally, headline three, pro-Hamas rallies and clashes are increasingly common in the West Bank. Here's what we know. With the release of every Palestinian prisoner in this hostage deal, Hamas appears to be delivering results to the people. This is not lost on the West Bank. There have been several large protests reported with Hamas flags and banners raised. I believe we're going to see a media circus tonight with the expected release of Palestinian teenager Ahed al-Tamimi, who became a cause celeb for slapping an Israeli soldier on video in 2017. Meanwhile, the Israelis continue to conduct raids every night in the West Bank. Arrests are made, homes of terrorists are destroyed, clashes are reported. So now what? This is not an intifada. It's not a full-blown uprising. But Israel must now tread carefully. The West Bank appears to be more animated than we have seen in recent years. And it's animated because of the war in Gaza. But perhaps more importantly, it's animated because uh, the Palestinian population sees a surge in sympathy for the Palestinian cause worldwide. Until now, the West Bank has been the dog that hasn't barked. Israel needs to keep it that way. Those are your headlines. I am now pleased to welcome Congressman Josh Gottheimer. Congressman Gottheimer represents New Jersey's 5th District, and he has done so since 2017. He's been a tireless fighter for principled foreign policy in Washington, and we are thrilled to have him join the morning brief. Welcome, Congressman. Hey, good to see you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Pleasure, pleasure to have you. So talk to us for a minute about the latest legislation that you have uh, proposed here to combat pro-Hamas bots online. I mean, what does that even mean? Well, you probably are aware that, and there's been a lot of coverage of this, of, of just how significant the disinformation campaign has been since the start of the war. But going back for uh, for more than a year now, many of us have been focused on doing everything we can to specifically address TikTok's involvement in disinformation uh, around the world, especially anti-American 
uh, uh, disinformation being spread across our country to more than 150 million users of TikTok in the United States. One big challenge we have is that social media companies and not just TikTok uh, don't aren't uh, don't hold themselves accountable and aren't held accountable for their content. Right. So what ends up happening is you have plenty of false narratives that are put up. We've seen uh, uh, you saw recently uh, ones uh, pro promoting Osama bin Laden. Um, since the start of the war here, there's been a huge surge, especially on TikTok, um, but on Instagram and other social media platforms of false information and false narratives uh, being spewed out uh, on, on Israel, on Israel's actions, activities, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas. Um, and when I say pro-Palestinian, I mean to the level of coupling uh, Hamas and making them look like, as you just pointed out, good people who are doing good things and righteous things um, and not the fact that they are actually using Palestinian innocent civilians as human shields, right? All of that is left out. It's just the fact that Hamas are good folks. And that's what especially younger people are seeing, uh, not just in the United States, but around the world. Um, and the numbers are seismic. There will be reports coming out uh, in the next days. I've seen some preview of just the numbers we're talking about here and it's astounding. And we know, Jonathan, that what's behind TikTok, the Chinese government, they control TikTok. ByteDance, the parent company, is completely controlled by the Chinese government, which, is, which you also know, is very close to Russia, Iran, Hamas, right? They're all players acting together. So my legislation that I've introduced that's bipartisan with Don Bacon from Nebraska actually requires some accountability here on terrorist content on actually having rules and requirements of getting that terrorist content down or paying significant fines if they don't. Well, I appreciate uh, what you're doing here. And obviously, TikTok is a major problem. The social media issue, as you know, uh, I mean, it's, it, the content has been shocking. Um, well, let me let me shift gears for a minute and uh, and just ask you to weigh in. I mean, I know uh, we're all sort of trying to track uh, what the president meant last night with the tweet that I discussed, and then there's what his spokesperson has said um, about perhaps revising his statement. Where do you think the president is in all of this? Is he still squarely in uh, sort of Israel's camp? Is he still fighting for Israel to be able to finish this war against Hamas? Is he beginning to waver? It's hard to know from the outside. You're obviously a bit closer to the center of gravity. How would you describe things? You know, I don't I don't see him wavering. You know, frankly, what I see is an enormous amount of pressure on this White House, not just domestically, but from around the world. Right. From many of our key allies, from all, from a lot of people who um, you would have wished would be strong, standing stronger for the U.S.-Israel relationship. And of course, standing stronger up to the terrorist who heinously attacked uh, Israel and did the unspeakable to children and women and older folks and those with disabilities and, and things that, you know, those of us who've seen the footage will never unsee. Um, but the bottom line is Joe Biden, frankly, has been not just incredibly strong, but unwavering, principled in his arguments and his objectives, which he believes, given the fact that 40 Americans were killed and the fact that you have Americans still hostage, which as as we've talked about, Jonathan, blows my mind that that's not the first thing people talk about in this country every single day. Americans are hostage. Americans were killed by Hamas terrorists. 
right? That like that should be the beginning and the end of the argument of why we have to crush Hamas and stop Iranian-backed proxies and terrorists across the board from what they're doing to not just our key democratic ally Israel, but what they did to the United States of America and are continuing to support attacks on our bases, our soldiers, continuing every single day. And so I believe the president will hold the line and make his goals to get the hostages out, crush the terrorists, and of course, make sure we do everything we can uh, to be supportive of Israel in doing that. And of course, providing humanitarian aid, which we all support. And Hamas is the one stopping and blocking and doing everything they can to prevent getting delivered. Well, let me dig a little deeper into that. I'm, I think I think you're right that the president has held the line, uh, and certainly the revisions after last night's initial statement, I think, seem to underscore that. But there is, of course, a battle that's going on within the Democratic Party. And I know that you have staked out positions that are diametrically opposite to those of the squad and others that have been detractors of Israel. What does it mean to be a pro-Israel Democrat right now? Uh, I mean, it does not look easy all the time. Listen, you you have, and frankly, we, we've seen this with the Freedom Caucus on the right, you have in general a very small group in both parties that just is tremendously loud. And when you, you take their voices and some of their outrageous statements and votes, including continuing to support the idea that Israel, not Palestinian Islamic Jihad, bombed the hospital in the first days of the war, right, and you have falsehoods continue to be spread and standing by them, you know, you're up, you're battling against social media, against cable news every single day, and, and against a world, as we know, that's spreading this disinformation. So it, it feels like a torrent when, if you look at the Congress, like we had a vote last night supporting Israel, standing up to terror and supporting getting the hostages out, and there, there wasn't, you know, there was a couple people who were absent. There was one, I think, present vote. You had Massey and, of course, on the Republican side and Rashida Tlaib on the Democratic side, vote present or no. And but the, everyone else was supportive. Right. So but I think the perception given TikTok, why I think they should also have to register as a foreign agent, because China clearly has objectives that are counter to ours and supportive of Iran, their best friend. You know, but you're up against that. And the president and this White House is up against this media machine every single day. So I think he will continue, I believe, to look for ways to send signals to make it clear that, listen, we want to make sure that humanitarian aid gets delivered. We want to make sure that Israel's actions in, uh, in, in crushing Hamas are done in the most strategic way possible. I think that's fine to send those signals and those messages. I agree that we should send those signals and messages. But what you can't do is tie in any which way the hands of our key ally uh, in fighting and crushing the terrorists and doing anything to support China or Iran, right, uh, or Russia. Why, why would you do that? And and so I, I, that, that's really the key question. People want to put conditions on aid. I'm sure you saw that too, right? People want to put conditions on aid. Again, tie the hands of our key ally who was just what who had, you know, 1,200 or more. Uh, of, of, of their citizens killed, including Arab Israelis and including Americans, you're going to stop that. Imagine this happened in our country and our allies came along and said, oh, by the way, you can respond to 9-11, but only with certain asterisks. You could respond to Pearl Harbor, but here is a list of ways you can respond. I, I don't think so. I happen to agree. 
Um, look, we have a, just a couple minutes left, and I want to just ask you about something that is near and dear to my heart. I've been watching the disaster unfold uh, at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm a son of Philadelphia. You are a graduate of Penn. You have been very critical of what's going on there. Just give us a quick update. Uh, well, I think you've had, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you'll admit you're from Pennsylvania. That's good. Um, uh, you know, and I, I get, I understand, I understand, listen, you do a phenomenal job and I'm a huge fan of yours, but you know, the Pennsylvania thing we'll have to talk about and the Eagles want to talk about, but, but I'll tell you this, the pen has handled this every step of the way, both before the war recently and since the war, uh, they have failed, uh, and it's an embarrassment for those of us who, who went there. And as you know, for all alumni, but also for, for frankly, the school, and we've seen this with a lot of the Ivy league schools right now. There are in a lot of universities. Some have handled it well, and many have completely failed. I think Penn has failed. Listen, they were hosting Lamont and other people who've been thrown off CNN for their anti-Semitic views. They were hosting conferences before uh, uh, October 7th, and they continue to do so, uh, to, to continue to waffle. And, and there should be no waffling. You, and, and the thing I'm worried about, and this is a problem at Rutgers, too, in New Jersey, the thing I worry about the most is people are so obsessed with protecting the the supporters of Hamas uh, in, instead of actually protecting people who are Jewish students and those who are worried about being attacked. And by the way, it leads to more Islamophobia. It leads to more anti-Semitism. You have to be very clear that there is no place for hate. There's no place for someone to come on your campus and wear a mask and threaten other kids and claim it's a rally or a protest. That's unacceptable. In Teaneck, New Jersey, in my district, there's a, a walkout plan today in the high school and the superintendent uh, uh, and they called it a genocide, stop the genocide walkout. Uh, and the superintendent of schools sanctioned it at 1.30 in the afternoon and said, yeah, you could, kids can get up and do a walkout, right? So imagine the messages that sends to the Jewish students in that school, and right? And, and so I'm very worried about this as a national issue. It's something I focus on all the time, and we're going to have to continue to focus on it beyond this conflict. All right. Well, thank you, Congressman. Thank you for your excellent work, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for what you do. I'm a huge fan. Thanks for, thanks to FUD. Okay, here are some of the other stories that FUD is following closely today. My colleague David Daoud is watching Israel's northern border. Things have been quiet since the ceasefire in Gaza began. Hezbollah has voluntarily agreed to abide by the ceasefire so far. So have Shiite militias subservient to Iran in Iraq and Syria. The only group that hasn't held fire during the pause is the Houthis in Yemen, but Hezbollah is really the only Iranian proxy that matters. The group's rocket arsenal of 200,000 continues to provide cause for serious concern. Reports this morning suggest that the group is back on the border, taking pictures and preparing for another round of battle. My colleague Natalie Ikenau is tracking the vitriol of Al Jazeera. The Qatari-owned television channel has stuffed up its anti-Israel rhetoric during the pause in fighting while taking the charge to rebrand Hamas as more moderate and humanitarian. Natalie recently argument, argued that Al Jazeera should be forced to register as a national as a foreign agent nationally here in the United States. The Department of Justice already ordered Al Jazeera Plus or AJ Plus to register back in 2020. The government of Qatar has thus far refused. 
Finally, my colleagues, Anthony Ruggiero and Andrea Stricker are tracking how Washington and its European allies have failed to censor Iran at a critical meeting of the International Atomic Energy Agency, the IAEA. Iran remains on the threshold of nuclear weapons. And my colleague, Mark Dubowitz, FDD CEO, has consistently warned that the war in Gaza could be the ultimate weapon of mass distraction for Iran to build its weapon of mass destruction. We'll continue to track this one carefully. You can read about these and other developments on our website, fdd.org. Follow our work on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, at FDD. And please make your contribution at fdd.org slash invest. If you, enjoy, if you enjoyed today's briefing, come back and join us again every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thanks again for joining us today. I'm Jonathan Shanzer, signing off for FDD. Thank you.